This is Flash, man, with the proper mic. With the socks. Yeah. yeah, man. We used the first time we had socks that had cat hair all over yeah. it. I wasn't sure Tani what you guys had got me around for. I just walk in, there's these things on the table. I'm like, this is. Tani wasn't really impressed by the sock, cat hair socks. No, nor were your allergies. No. Welcome to um, How Not to Be an Asshole. <laughs> is it a controversial thing to say? Are you got a secret you want to let out the back? Just shit I usually skip over when I listen to a podcast. You, you ungrateful bastard. You're definitely the first politician I've talked to in a positive way. You're cutting on the table. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you did. Sorry. <laughs> is that your enthusiastic face? That should go straight on the wire. Welcome to uh, yet another episode of How Not To Be An Asshole. My name's Dominic and I'm here with Todd. Hi. Um, and yeah, things have been going well, haven't they, Todd? Pretty good. We had a m- meeting with a business person who's going to hopefully help us to um, make enough money that we're not losing money doing this. Yeah. Which yeah. would be flash. We ain't losing too much money, yeah. You haven't paid Dan for any of the gas money. Have you? Yeah. Oh, sweet. I'm glad, <laughs> glad someone's... I'm down 30 bucks. <laughs> I'm glad someone's taking care of that. Yeah, someone's gonna look after Dan. Yeah. How are you, Dan? I'm good. Choice. Is the GoPro going? Yeah. Uh, shit, oh, yeah, I would have worn my good clothes. Yeah, look at you. I'm wearing Christina's clothes. <laughs> Dom's got a habit of wearing his girlfriend's clothes. Yeah, well, it's good. It's, uh, I haven't been out with someone, which well, is taller than me, so mm. I can fit her clothes. Yeah. Pretty good. I remember when I came met you in Berlin and you had all that. All the, oh, Rosie's clothes on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's taller than me too, actually. <laughs> this is not hard. Um, <laughs> we should once again thank Miss Leon Taylor for doing our design, um, Cameron Robinson for doing the photos, and Dom and Matt Short for doing the music. The beautiful theme song. Fuck, you didn't even complain about the... Because I just complain every time, so I was just going to let you fucking do it this Yeah, time. I was waiting. It's I unnecessary. Just, just waiting for you to interrupt, like, oh, fuck, do we have to do this? Well, I just think that we should stop. You know how I feel. We've talked about it. We had a business meeting about it. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't discussed at That's the That's the first meeting. thing the business guy said is don't fucking thank the same people every time. He did not it's say It's boring. That. He did not say All right, that. should we introduce our guest then? Do you have anything else to say? No. Did we were going to ask the listener something? Oh, yeah, we're going to do a survey soon if you want to partake in it. But that, Listeners. We'll probably do the survey before this episode comes Okay, so out. just ignore So it. thanks for doing the survey, guys. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right, so our guest today um, is Cliff Harvey. He's a naturopath, clinical nutritionist, and author and speaker specializing in a holistic performance, performance nutrition and mind, body, spirit, lifestyle counseling. Uh, he teaches people how to give themselves the chemical building blocks of health, great nutrition, and how to integrate new patterns of behavior and actions to achieve their life, health, and performance goals. Welcome, Cliff. Thanks, man. Welcome. Sounds kind of boring, hey? Um, but I thought it was pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah, I'm impressed. I'm like, like... It doesn't sound like me, though. It sounds like you're introducing somebody else. I'm like, who's this fucking dick? It's <laughs> <laughs> hard with bios, though, you know? You know what yeah. I was thinking, man? Because I'm terribly hungover today. I was just listening to all that. I was like, maybe he's going to fix me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this guy's my, guy my saviour. You're beyond help. <laughs> yeah, you man, see, well, look I, how many questions I've got. How many questions you got, Todd? Um, don't Todd forgot to yeah, man. questions. See, like a couple of beers in last night, I was thinking, I can't do this. Now I gotta, I gotta do a podcast tomorrow with these guys, right? Yeah, but yeah, I was the same. <laughs> I know? wasn't. I ate half a hash cake and I didn't eat the other half. Well done, Dom. <laughs> yeah, my dad. I went to a party at my dad's house and yeah, things got out of control. So out of control. All right. So, um, dietary wise, um, how important do you think diet is, like? To overall health? It's a good question, Dom. If, if you don't eat, you'll actually die. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty fucking important, right? <laughs> uh, well, maybe, but yeah, I mean, good you know, diet then. It's, 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 it's played out, but, you know, we, we all hear you are what you eat, and I guess that's self-evident. But yeah, I mean, it, it plays into a, a bunch of stuff that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily realise. You know, there is, um, you know, there are... A range of things from real minor stuff through, you know, in terms of little intolerances that someone might have through to, you know, pretty serious allergies through to things being associated with autoimmune diseases and, and all sorts, you know. And so there's even mental health, right, can be affected. Massive, yeah. I mean, and we're only just beginning to really touch the surface there of, or scratch the surface there of what really happens as far as 
the diet we eat and how it makes us feel and that's been somewhat ignored in the in the research so with what we're doing a lot of that now is really looking at the human experience of diet rather than just looking at all these quantified measures you know you, you do a particular diet and what are we seeing in the blood or you do a particular diet what are we seeing in the the measurements of somebody you know we're really beginning to look at what does that mean in terms of how someone feels and wellness indicators depressive scales all that kind of stuff because it's probably been a little bit ignored yeah yeah but it's, it's massive and a lot of those things go hand in hand you know a lot of these illnesses that we might look at particularly autoimmune disorders yeah. there's a massive comorbidity with depression there and they don't exactly know why but the rates of depression in people with serious illness are markedly high now it might just be because you're pretty down about being sick all the time or in yeah. pain all the time or there might be other stuff going on too and we think there's actually a lot more going on and is the health system starting to catch up on this because <laughs> i know from my experiences with them they sort of like diet doesn't do anything i'd like to say yes but it's it's a slow it's a slow progression you know uh, i think with anything where there's vested interest in a particular area it's going to take a while to change and it kind of it has to take a little while to change yeah you know you look at all of our dietary guidelines for health as far as heart health and things like that i mean it's it can't change overnight because if it did the heart foundation would go out of business you know the the, the money comes from sponsors the sponsors put the tick on the product the product is inappropriate for heart health but hey it's only because we've discovered that in the last you know five ten fifteen twenty years or whatever and so things are happening slowly i'd suggest but it, it's only because there are people out there taking risks and you know there's certain universities in new zealand now that are doing some really interesting research and I think we're trying to push government into change. Because when I went, because um, for the listeners who don't know, I have an autoimmune disease called ankylosing spondylitis, and I went to the doctor because after I'd spoken to you and then I'd read some stuff online, and a lot of people said, cut gluten out. So I cut gluten out, and I was feeling heaps better, and they're like, wow, you're doing so much better. Because you have to do these stretches, and they measure how much more you can move. And they're like, it's really going, you, you know, you've done, you're doing heaps better. And I was like, well, is it because I cut gluten out? And they're like, no, 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 there's no way that it's that. And I'm like, well, nothing else has changed. Like, why, you know? And it's just they yeah. would not even for a second, you know, say that and maybe that, that's it was that. that uh, assumptive bias that people have. You know, on the other hand, we couldn't say that it was the gluten. True, yeah. But it would be very cavalier to say it wasn't either. Mm. You know, you've got to be very pragmatic about these things. And, you know, uh, it's quite interesting with something like gluten because it's probably fair to say that there's a lot of people cutting out gluten at the moment. And a lot of them probably don't need to yeah. in reality. But there is a significant subset who probably will benefit from it. And there's this undercurrent in the research that we don't quite understand where um, even people who aren't supposedly intolerant to gluten, there's a subset of people that we're beginning to see in the research who still feel better if they're eliminating gluten. So we don't know exactly why, because we can't see anything in terms of a measure, but hey, they feel better in terms of lower depressive scales and things. Yeah, because I just felt better so, as well, like just mentally, I felt better too. Yeah, and I mean, the N equals one experience which has been derided in science for a long time. In other words, what do, you, what do I feel when I do this? I think that's being better recognised in terms of, particularly from a clinical practice point of view, if someone feels better doing something, all power to them, go and do it. Yeah. You know? So I think, because like diet's so, um, there's so much debate. So like if, you, if you're a layman like myself and you try and research <coughs> something diet related, you get so many opposing opi opinions, you know? Like, yeah. So someone will tell you something, this is good for you. You look it up online, then there'll be all this counter argument about it. It's so confusing to like, actually know what is what yeah. and then so do you think that's a good way to do it is like experiment and see how you just actually feel yeah definitely i think experiment see how you feel and also i, I think everybody researchers clinicians lay people included need to begin to look at the commonalities of what everyone's saying mm. because i think everyone wants to be right you know, everyone wants to be right. And so my particular way is right and your particular way is wrong. And when we do that, we start looking at these real little parts of nutrition. Like, let's say I eat meat and this other guy doesn't. We're going to argue about whether meat's good for you. But in reality, we might be eating a diet that's 90% the same. You know, yeah. I've got a big bowl of veggies and some olive oil on it and a little bit of steak. And he's got a big bowl of veggies with some olive oil on it and some lentils on the top. I mean, it's pretty much the same meal. Mm. It's just a nuance there. So I think we want to absolutely look at what makes us feel better but also what the commonalities in nutrition are and all be prepared to be just a little bit wrong, yeah. but mostly right. You know, rather a lot of than it picking seems to be common sense though, right? Like sort of like eat vegetables, eat fruit, don't eat heaps of processed food. Yeah, definitely. You know? Like it's, Absolutely. Yeah. And this is the thing. I mean, this is the, the key with a pragmatic health message that incorporates just more than diet as well. I think simplicity is the key, right? And for too long, we've been telling people that they have to be 
in essence, food scientists. You know, and I work with a lot of people who are probably, you know, a bit poorer, lower socioeconomic scale type stuff, and a lot of Māori and Pacific Island guys. And it's quite confusing to be told you've got to reduce this and reduce that and reduce this and increase this and that, because if you don't know exactly what that is, and why should you know? It's not your field. It's pretty confusing to go into the supermarket. Yeah. But, you know, if you're told a pragmatic health message of exactly that, which what you said, Dom, you know, eat natural unprocessed food, eat more veggies... You know, maybe cut out some of the processed and refined crap. If it's pressed into a funny shape, don't eat it kind of stuff. That's a lot easier buying. Mm. Plus there's other aspects too. One of the things that we've looked at a lot is, um, you know, cultural appropriateness and things like that. For too long we've had, for particular, you know, in particular for those communities, we've had middle-aged, I hate to say it, but middle-aged white people going out who often aren't in good shape and saying you've got to do all these things. You know, whereas a, a, an ancestral traditional diet for most groups is actually pretty damn healthy. Yeah. So why not focus on that? It's yeah. an easier sell, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, like the money thing's really daunting. If you don't have much money, <coughs> oh, man, trying I, to address your diet just seems like impossible. Almost. I've been so broke since I've been eating good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. See, I find the opposite. And this might just be my experience, N equals one again, but um, I eat pretty simply. Mm. You know, in the main, I, I go out for dinners and things, and that's where I spend more money. Yeah. But in the main, what I'm buying at the the actual grocery store is simple stuff. It's salad bags, it's some good oils, and it's depending on what sort of whether I'm eating meat or not at the time. It's cheap cuts of meat or yeah. lentils, mung beans, that kind of stuff. They're all cheap. I guess I guess my yardstick for health and shit is Richie Hardcore, and you know he likes to buy all that fancy shit. Like if you've been to his house, he has all these products and like. He's like New yeah. Zealand's going with Paltrow, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hard out. But, I think, but lo- love just you, things like, um, <laughs> because, you know, like, I, I'm dairy-free, and so you got to buy things like almond milk and all that stuff. And, like, when you get into gluten-free flours and all that stuff, it just yeah. starts... I mean, I guess it's not hugely expensive, but it is more. I mean... Oh, it can be. I think when, you, when you're going for substitute products like that, it gets really, really expensive really quick. I tend to not do that just maybe, maybe because I just eat a real simple yeah. kind of diet as a baseline. Um but yeah, you, you, you're right. And that's one of the things with the, the criticism of paleo or primal or any of those types of diet types is that sure, even if you accept that they're healthy, the pretty much the position is that they're expensive. Mm. And we talked about this a lot at the Thrive Conference a couple of weeks ago. My position was, well, in my experience, when you're working with a lot of people from who are getting back to their ancestral diet, it's not actually that expensive at all. It works out pretty cheap yeah you know yeah. you can live quite if you get a, a kilo of mints and a whole bunch of veggies and some olive oil i mean that could form the base of your diet for a week and that would be pretty damn cheap yeah i think a while ago i did a <clears throat> i did a juice cleanse and kind of learnt heaps from that about what my body needs and doesn't need because i had like so just juicing vegetables and fruit and then i think i was eating some nuts as well but i had so much energy it was crazy, like, sleeping less but more energy during the day. It was a real good exercise for me in learning about what your body actually needs and all the shit that you give it that it doesn't need. Do you think it's because you're from, like, a, a where you're from in New Plymouth and being poor and shit that you don't have that understanding? Yeah, totally. Like, my... So my mum was up a little while ago and she was, like, telling me how her and my brother are eating real good and, like eating healthy shit and then she went to the supermarket and got me food and most of it was unhealthy <laughs> but yeah I think a lot of people are just oblivious it's like real weird like I think we we're discussing it once on the podcast just getting into your 30s and learning like foods that you've eaten your whole life aren't good for you see I came the other way because my mum raised us real healthy and then mm. I sort of rebelled and I mean not that I ate super bad but you know I started eating some processed shit and now I've come back around again yeah, I was talking to my sister about my stepmom because she was a health nut, like, back in the day. I remember her giving me tofu when I was, like, six. I was like, the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. I don't think she, like, marinated it or anything. She just, like, cooked some tofu. And Badly cooked tofu is the fucking worst, oh, man. Isn't it? You know? It's were like, you raised healthy? I guess, yeah. I mean, we, we were raised really... We didn't have a lot of money growing up, you know. We were raised just pretty simply, I think. Yeah. You know, it wasn't so much... I think my old man and my mum both got into health as we were growing up. 
you know, in terms, he got into yoga and running marathons and all that kind of crap. And mum was a vegetarian. So we, we were exposed to a lot of stuff. But on the baseline, it was just simple, you know, vegetables. And we didn't have soft drink or a lot of biscuits or any of that kind of stuff around. It was just simple food. So although we had things that I now wouldn't necessarily think of that super healthy, like, you know, wheat bix or cornflakes and stuff like that. In totality, if you're eating those things and you're just basically living off meat, vegetables, and then all the weird stuff that mum would bring in, like, you know, <laughs> sprouts and tofu and... Remember that nut meat and shit like that? Yeah, that was so Man, gross. fuck, that stuff was terrible. It's like <laughs> <laughs> jelly meat, but made out of, I don't know... Yeah, early, like... Even know what. All those substitute meats, like the early versions of them, like TVP. Did you yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, it was disgusting. Uh, you know what one... <laughs> I really like that... What's it called? Satan, that shit... Oh, the shit they were having in the States and stuff. Yeah, but like, uh, you hardly ever see it anywhere, eh? That shit's It's good. really big, over, like in Europe and the States, mm. but... Australia, you it's get just, it. It's gluten, right? It's just... Yeah, gluten, gluten. meat? Yeah. I actually made some of it before. Yeah. You're going to knead it underwater, you get the gluten <coughs> flour and you knead it underwater. It's pretty good stuff. Mm. It's it's pretty nice. I mean, obviously it's not good for someone avoiding gluten, but <laughs> yeah, you can eat gluten, right? I was yeah. just going to suggest Don make us some, but... <laughs> I wonder, could you make it with like, um, those gluten-free flours? Probably not. The th- they the wouldn't thing, combine. They wouldn't come together. That's the thing with gluten is it's got this. It's it's got quite a particular consistency, and that's why it's it, it basically is um, stringy more or yeah. less. You know, and that's what gives bread its consistency. And mm. uh, so it's it's difficult to get things exactly the same. I made some gluten free bread, and I was kneading it. It was just like just coming apart. I was like, what the fuck is we're, this? We're cracking <laughs> up. We're cracking up at Dom last week because he like bought this nine dollar loaf of fucking gluten free bread <laughs> and we're like is it good and he's like nah <laughs> i was just like oh that's depressing paying ten dollars for a loaf of bread and you don't even like it but that's the problem you know when you're out it's like that's when having a restrictive diet becomes a fucking hassle mm. i got i got this friend who like from back in the day and i used to live with his family and he just ate wheat bix for every meal <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> And, like, I hadn't seen him for years. He actually, he ended up in a wheelchair. He had a real bad car accident. But um, when I caught up with him, we went to a real nice Thai restaurant down in New Plymouth, which doesn't sound like it could be a real thing, but it is. <laughs> um, and we went there, and he's like, I've never been to a restaurant before. I was like, what? He's, wow. like, a couple years younger than me. And I was like, bullshit. He's like, no, nah, never. And, like, so we sat down there, and he got past the menu. He's like, what's this? He's like, that's the menu. He's like, okay. And he's just like looking at it and he looks so confused. I was like, do you want me to choose your food? He's like, yeah. And I was like, what would a guy with like a real limited palate like? I was like, fuck, chicken pad thai. And so I got it and like we're, we're pretty drunk and he was like smashing it back. And I was like, do you like it? And he's like, mm, didn't really like it. And then we're talking after. I was like, do you still eat wheat bix all the time? He was like, nah, just for breakfast. I was like, what else do you eat now? He's like, mince and toast. I was like, for lunch and dinner? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Every day. Just. Did he have a sort of a off hue to his skin? No, he looks all right. Hmm. Yeah. Could, be, could be worse, right? <laughs> Wheat boots, mince on toast, mince on toast. Pretty simple. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. It's not the most nutritious. I don't know, man. It's, it's probably not the most nutritious, but it's better than eating all the lollies and mm. you know all that kind of crap. So, do you think like cutting those things out <coughs> is almost more important in some ways than adding all that, you know, like supplements and stuff in? Oh, definitely. You know, before supplements, food always comes first. But I'd always take an approach of what you do is more important than what you cut out. Yeah, mainly because if you're eating plenty of good food your body will pretty much take care of itself and then you won't have the same cravings for all the same crap you'd otherwise have. And, you know, we, we've seen that in the research where you put someone on, a, for example, a lower-carb, higher-fat diet that's based around real food versus a standard calorie-restricted diet, so the one you'd, you'd use for weight loss. And people on the lower-carb, higher-fat, real food-based diet just eat less anyway. But it's an ad libitum diet. In other words, eat as much as you want. So they don't know that they're eating less, but they do. Yeah. So they lose weight and all these, you know, markers come in equal to or better than the other type of diet. So I figure you take care of the take care of the little things. Or take sorry, take care of the big things, the little things take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's more about what you are eating, you know. Eat lots of vegetables, eat good fats, don't worry about getting too tricky about anything and then see where you're at. I'm hungry. Yeah, I'm fucking starving. <laughs> so I'm, I'm some chicken pad thai, hey. <laughs> and some wheat bits. I want some mince on toast, man. <laughs> 
I actually used to love Weet Bix when I was growing up. Same, it's not something same. I really eat anymore. When I went for my growth spurt, I was eating like 12 of them. Man, you know, I feel like I should have had a career and like, there's probably heaps of people have done this, but like, I've invented a few products that then the the owners of the product have gone on to do. So I used to put Milo on my um on my Weet Bix. Now they've got the Milo cereal. Like, I just, I put on anything, rice bubbles, wheat bits. Well, you yeah, fucking man. missed out there. You could have been a millionaire. And then remember I made the KFC pie before they ever had one? Did you do that? Yeah, at um, Helene's house. So we used the to KFC have, pie? Yeah, so we have pie Sundays, and we all go around to Dom's old, <laughs> Dom's old girlfriend's house, and we all make different pies. So people were doing, like, real dope shit, like Thai green curry pie and... And oh, I remember like, I made a poodle, a pie of noodles. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I thought that was going to be my get-rich-quick scheme, and it was like, it's genius, and you know, it would come in like a, a packet with have fake fur on it, like a poodle, but actually noodles and pies was disgusting. Yeah, it's not the shit. That was the one downfall. But yeah, I made the KFC pie, and it was banging. It was so good. <laughs> I had this idea that you could do like a Subway kind of idea. You get your hot pie oh. crust and you go down and you put whatever you want in the pie and then slap the thing on the top. That's sick. You should, <laughs> you should patent that before one of our listeners hears it. Pretty much. Well, this won't be on air for a couple of weeks. Mm. Okay. Pretty much everything tastes good in pastry. It's like pies are fucking easy. You just get some shit, put it in pastry, cook it, put sauce on it. Pie. <laughs> what were you going to say, Dan? Was it a pie with KFC chicken in it? Yeah, so I got like boneless chicken. Yeah, you like that idea, eh? I got boneless chicken, um, fries, potato and gravy, extra gravy, and I just mashed all the shit up and put it in a pot. But who ate it? Because was... me and there's a few people there eating meat. Oh, they were vegetarians? No, there's some meat eaters. You just brought some meat eaters and I brought yeah, <laughs> I brought in the fucking cavemen. I think it's kind of like the, um, I'm going to call it the, the Richie Hardcore effect, whereby he, he casts this, you know, shadow over everyone, and if, if you know him, you're assumed to be vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, or just because the person who... But he's probably him. the only one, right? He, he's, he's an, he is an om, ominous, ominous figure, like, in a good way, though. But, like, so when I go, when I go to the gym <laughs> and I feel, like, real proud of myself... I always think about like sending Richie a photo of me or sweaty and shit because I know he'll be like, "Yeah, man, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he, you can just rely on him for some positive reinforcement." Yeah, definitely. You go out and you're yeah. drinking like you're not drinking. You're just on the waters. So oh, like, make a snap. Yeah, I yeah. I hated <laughs> when I see him when, when we saw him on K Road when we've been drinking. Oh yeah, yeah. And I wasn't even that drunk. I did like five beers or something, but I was like, "Oh fuck." Trying yeah. to act sober and stuff. Yeah. And I wouldn't even do that for my parents. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, letting down Richie Hardcore's not oh. the one, eh? The worst, I mean, we came to one of my gigs at King's Arms and I'd just taken some E. I was like, oh, fuck, Richie's here. And I was like, don't go and hug him, don't go and hug him. And the next thing I know, I'm <laughs> hugging him and stroking the back of his head. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's the thing whenever I see him when I'm drunk, I always want to touch his muscles. Yeah. Did we discuss that on the podcast already? Touching his muscles. Well, we ran into him on K Road and there's like all these thugs sitting in the bus stop and I was like just rubbing Richie and then I looked, I looked over and this guy was just staring at us like the fuck are you up to? It must have looked real weird to him. <laughs> we, had that, we were in Grey Lynn and I was having a coffee with him and I was I think we were, I was about to get up and leave so he got up, we had a big hug. This guy walked past and just gave us this look of disdain. It's like, you disgust me. Because you know, we're just standing there, like, embracing. <laughs> awesome. What's people's problem with a little bit of affection? I guess you can't be too careful these days, as our um, Prime Minister found out this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta be careful who and how you touch. So he's got an actual hair fit to show. Would seem so. It seems to be. It's like it's just get, it's getting worse out. now. And the way that he does, he, like, when you watch that video of it, uh, it's like, dude. I think the worst thing is, like, it could almost... It can't be excused, but it could almost be the sort of thing where, you know, he's a he's an older dude, you know, it's inappropriate, whatever. But the fact that he said, you've got a tantalising ponytail, I mean, that was sort he of a clincher that. for me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's creepiness in the extreme, I reckon. A tantalising ponytail. It's so absurd. But it's you think, so like, you know, weird. even, you know, people have strange fetishes, whatever, but then it's like, <clears throat> you would think that you'd have some sort of level of self-control... Yeah. Where you'd be like, I'm the leader of the fucking country, everyone's watching me, I'm not going to, yeah. you know? Well, that's the thing, I mean, I, I think for me it's more the casual attitude of, <clears throat> oh, it's just a bit of, everything's just a bit of fun. Yeah. You know, mm. you, you make a homophobic, homophobic slur on the air and you say, oh, well, it's just a bit of fun, you know, or mm. this, and it's just a bit of fun. There comes a point where you think, just fucking stand up and bring attention to social issues. 
That's a good opportunity, right? Look, yeah. I said something was gay and that's not actually cool. You know, let's mm. use this to bring yeah. attention to something. Or I'm, you know, inappropriately touching girls <laughs> hair from a range of ages. And this is probably <laughs> a power differential thing. No one's safe. <laughs> oh, fuck, he got teased at the Warriors game yesterday. Did he? So this massive guy with a ponytail scored and the guy on the... <laughs> on the um, on the loudspeaker was like lucky the lucky John Keeson on the country with a haircut like that. <laughs> or unlucky like, on the other team he wasn't playing for that. Yeah. He's he an actual, actual laughing stock. Yeah, it's like front Which page is... news around the world. But they he was already a laughing stock overseas, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's just our country that the fucking Well the worst thing was I think, I can't remember whether it was the Guardian or Washington Post article, but they said um he's now rivaling Abbott. Mm. For absurdity, I mean that's that's pretty bad. If if, if our leaders looked yeah. on us, it, nearly as bad as Tony Abbott, who's a, you know, seems to be a. There must be such a blessing for moron. Key when Abbott got in because Abbott is so awful that he yeah. makes Key look actually like reasonable and halfway intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Do you reckon when the fuck Abbott must have been loving it in Gallipoli because they're both over there. The the yeah. like, day orders came out, Abbott would have just been like it's having the best deflecting. He would be, yeah, he would have been having the best day ever. He'd be like, ah, look at you. Imagine those two morons what they must say to each other. <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't say a lot. They probably just go and buy a thirteen hundred dollar bottle of wine and just get drunk. sit back and yeah. just you know mm. revel in the the glory of being white, middle aged male and rich. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, of a country. So you know how you're saying like the you know he always it's always a bit of fun or whatever and that's how he plays these things off, but I think like this thing because I went into a cafe the day after and I was looking at the people working there and I was trying to imagine in what possible scenario you would pull someone's hair that's working in a in a cafe, and I think like so he should not do those things a just for human decency reasons but then B, also because of his office that he holds. But I think he does those things because of the office he holds, because of his entitlement. Like, he's like, I'm yeah. the prime minister. You imagine when he comes into a cafe, it's not like he just walks in. Like, all yeah. his bodyguards would come in as assistants and it'll be a mm. big deal. Mm. And so he just must think, oh, look at me. Yeah. You know, yeah. I do what he's the fuck like, I want. I'm the prime minister. People yeah. are privileged to have me around them. Like, and I'll treat them how I see fit. Christina's it's, taken me to that cafe a couple of times. Like, uh-huh, she likes right? going there and... Yeah, and you so can, which cafe is it? Is that one Rosie's on um, just opposite the Rose Garden? Oh right, and um, the people there, yeah, just because they're so like you well, know, like, that's a big chain, right? They own yeah. the Beach Cafe and mm. all sorts. Yeah, they got good cafes. Yeah, mm. the food was nice, but there are such nice people as well. So it's like to be a creep to them, it just seemed even worse. Yeah, not that if they weren't nice, I would you know. <laughs> whenever yeah. I've worked in yeah. the service industry, I'm always really surly and I don't want anyone yeah. touching me. Yeah, for I right. think if people are dicks, they should have their ponytails pulled out. Yeah. Much. That's a new policy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, we're, we're like discussing maybe trying to get that woman on the podcast, but I think she's probably had enough of... Mm. Um, but maybe like in the know. wild she might want it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you guys are pretty good looking and whatnot and... I mean, well, that, that was inappropriate for me to say. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, just feel like, I feel like I just harassed you. It's inappropriate and a lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's only because i got all my bodyguards around that I can say shit like that. <laughs> Um, should we ask some more dietary related questions? Oh, you can ask whatever you want. Well, what about sugar? Because everyone's saying now that sugar is the worst thing in the world. And Dan's actually just bought some of that oh, yeah, um, green like. Coke. <laughs> Coke Life, it's called. Yeah. It sounds like a pretty contradictory product. But... Should I whip it out? Yeah. yeah, get it out, Dan. Well, should I whip it out? <laughs> Fuck, everyone's getting inappropriate now. The stuff. thing is, I, I, get, I get where they're going. Do but you feel, it's... look at it. It's just got less sugar in it, right? It's got it's about a third less salvia. sugar. Stevia? Salvia. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a salvia salvia green label. It. It's got salvia divinorum in it and <laughs> cannabis sativa in it. It looks pretty good. No, I mean, the reality is per serve, you know, you're still getting... It's not a lot. 17 grams of sugar, so that's three teaspoons of sugar. Is that a big deal? Maybe, maybe not, but... What about that stevia? That process stevia? Oops. Stevia on, is... Stevia is just a plant. It's a it's called the sh- sugar leaf plant, and it's just a natural sweetener. Um, heaps, you know, heaps sweeter than sugar, so you need virtually nothing in there to give the same. Because I was reading that it was like processed, though. It was a processed version of it. The stevia? Yeah. Uh, it could well be. They they might have even synthesized it. I'm not sure. But like from from my point of view, we've just got to slowly start moving away from 
the process and refine stuff unless it's a treat, you know? If it's something that's taken every day, I mean, you can still easily go overboard with sugar from Coca-Cola Life, you know? Is sugar... Here's the thing, though. It's pretty hyperbolic when people are saying sugar's poison, sugar's toxic, all this kind of stuff, because with, like anything else, poison's in the dose, right? Yeah. If people have a little bit of sugar here and there, it's not a big deal. Particularly if someone has a little bit of sugar and they're still nice and lean and their blood lipids look great, and so every factor we would look at looks pretty good, fuck it, who cares, right? But if they're holding excess body weight or their blood lipids don't look good, there's all these health indicators there, then yeah, they've got to start to cut that back. But people take that, that to the extreme of saying, oh, well, don't eat fruit. Well, you know, don't stress about that, eat fruit. What okay. about honey? Sorry, sweetie pie? Honey. Same thing, right? I think, you you're know, too it, quick for us, Cliff. If people begin to reduce their taste for sweet, they find that they don't need as much. And then if you're using honey occasionally, then is it a big deal? Nah, of course not. But what people do is they substitute health, foods with a health halo on them. So I'm not eating sugar anymore, but then you look at what's in their pantry and they're eating rice syrup and agave and honey and all this kind of stuff and you know it's it's going to do equally the same job as sugar in terms of negative effects if you're going hard on that as well and it's the same with all the you know i, I love them because they're great all these real food cafes and paleo cafes primal cafes all this kind of stuff that's cool right because it gives people an option that maybe doesn't have gluten doesn't have this doesn't have that but if you eat paleo brownie all the time you're still going to get fat yeah <laughs> no doubt Take it easy on that coke, Dan. <coughs> Take it easy on the coke. Is yeah. this shit that it's made out of though, like some kind of sludge or something? Is that what? that one? Like when they bring it over, it's like really toxic. The stuff they make coke out of. Don't know. I don't know either. I've read it. Somewhere. What I do know is that the Coca Cola company is still, if not the biggest, one of the biggest uh, recipients of coca leaf exports from Bolivia. Because <laughs> they still use a. It's not. Coke, obviously, but they still use a coca extract as one of the flavouring ingredients. Mm. Yeah. Fuck, it must have been good back in the day. You get coke in there and you could get the opium from the chemist. Good all sorts of stuff. Giving whiskey to your children if they wouldn't go to sleep. The, the, the ut <laughs> utopia of the early 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a time to be alive. Before yeah. Prohibition, the American Medical Association was one of the most vocal opponents of uh, criminalizing cannabis because it was used in so many patent medicines back in the day. What do you think about? It's <laughs> like silence. Have okay. I gone too far? No, no. no, no. I was just trying to think because I was actually um, talking to someone the other day about you know I smoked weed for my arthritis and before yeah. I got arthritis I thought it was I thought I mean I smoked weed anyway but I, <laughs> but before I had arthritis I just thought when people said you know medicinal marijuana I was like that's bullshit it's an excuse to get high but since I've been doing it. I feel like I don't have marijuana. I mean, don't have um, arthritis. <laughs> you don't have marijuana. Like I don't actually yeah. have any. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when I'm stoned, I, it, I have no pain. I can walk normally. Like so, zero pain when you. Pretty much, like I, unless I like really stretch or something. Mm. I think you got to look at with any of those things risk benefit, right? And I'm talking about from a medical point of view. Yeah, yeah. And it's, if we can see that, you know, you take something you can buy over the counter, Panadol, which can kill you quite easily. You take an overdose of Panadol, you're you're dead. Right, and the lethal dose is not that high. I can't remember exactly what it is. It's not that high. If you took a, a whole packet of Panadol, you're dead, right? Try and kill yourself smoking weed. You're not going to do it. Yeah. It's impossible. They don't even have an LD50 for, for weed. It's only suggested because um, they haven't been able to kill 50% of lab animals, which is what you require for an LD50, to, to find a lethal dose. They haven't been able to kill enough lab animals to find the lethal dose. So it's practically impossible to kill yourself. So that alone shows that if it's going to reduce potentially inflammation, pain, all this kind of stuff associated with all these illnesses, and it's pretty benign, I know that um, I'm going to get an email from Richie. If it is relatively benign in a medical sense, then um, it makes sense to, to use it. You know? yeah. Well, isn't it if you um, <clears throat> vape it, it's meant to be really pretty harmless well yeah i mean one of the the biggest points of contention is you, you smoke it is it potentially going to precipitate lung cancer and i think the the data around that is pretty contentious anyway we don't know that for sure but yeah to reduce risk you, you vaporize it and it's probably relatively innocuous for a lot of things now there's like i say there's risk with anything but it's just purely about looking at risk versus benefit and if you've got a whole bunch of really heavy painkillers that are more dangerous use the least dangerous one mm. And I, I've got no ethical problem at all with 
getting high as a concept either. Yeah. It's like, it's almost as if you, you know, if you change your state of mind, that's somehow bad because people say, oh, well, it's just a crutch or, you know, can't you just get high on life? Well, n- no. no. Yeah. It's life different. sucks sometimes. <laughs> yeah. want to get high on drugs. Reality is quite full on. It's like, <laughs> I think, you know, at, at times I think life is really shit and at times I think life is really awesome, but it would be like someone saying to me, well... Can't you just eat vanilla ice cream? It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it is. But sometimes I want chocolate. For real, totally. Have you have you tried meditating when you're stoned? Yep. How does I did that, that go last night. Better or it's different? it's a little bit harder to focus. Yeah, I find. Um, because you meditate, Cliff, don't you? Yeah, I don't, I don't meditate as regularly as I once did, but I've been I meditated since I was a kid, really, and because I I got into Eastern philosophy and whatnot when I was really young yeah uh, my mum bought me a bunch of books and my, like I said my old man was into yoga so I read Richard Hiddleman's books and Iyengar's books and all that kind of stuff when I was still a kid mm. got into all that kind of stuff and I mean I think that's one of having a basis in meditation even if I'm not doing it all the time helps me to be more mindful and if I didn't have that basis I think I'd be a raving lunatic I mean I'm a bit of a lunatic anyway in spite of how it may appear uh, <laughs> if I didn't have that I'd be a fucking nutcase right yeah, yeah. So, Dom and I are both um, meditation new jacks me more so than him yeah I've been doing a few yeah. months and it's um, changed my life in non-certain terms like I just yes yeah, like so like not reacting to everything all the time mm. and just not getting some fucking stupid idea in your head and it's like, around, around, did, around, around. Did around. I tell you what happened the first time I tried meditating? No. The first time I meditated. So it was so good because I got, like, uh, things happened that tested, like, tested how meditation worked for me. So I meditated and then I finished and I, like, went online and I was like, oh, I'm always looking at the Herald. I need to stop. But I was looking at the, <laughs> I was looking. I was looking at the Herald and it was like um, an opinion piece written about the ponytail gate. And I was like, usually Herald's comment section is where I get fucking livid. Like people anger me so much. And there's people like defending John Keeler saying like, "Um, I'm glad we have a a down to earth prime minister who likes a bit of fun (laughs) and like shit like that. And I just meditated and I was reading them. I was like, really calmly, you're an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> you're on it where usually I'd be like fucking asshole fuck 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 but I was real calm and I just like read it and went away and I was like that's okay like I'm okay with that like people suck but that's cool the problem and with then, doing mindfulness is like that it's like heaps of like you know like when I'm writing a song or you know kind of come up with a joke for a poem and they always rely on being mean oh you and can't like, be mean yeah anymore. and then you don't want to be mean anymore and you're just like ah. Oh. Yeah, fuck, that's scary. I want to continue being mean to people I don't like. <laughs> I think you can be mean mindfully, though, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can do it. it's like there's a story about Song San, who was a, he's a Korean Zen master. And he, um, you know, the whole idea with Zen is that you're, you're basically engaged in the moment so that, you know, some of those sort of parables that come out of that are, um, you know, when just walking, walk, when sitting, just sit, you know, yeah. when eating, just eat kind of thing. And... Um, some of his students came in and he was sitting there eating some toast and drinking tea, reading the paper. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You know, you're supposed to just eat when you're eating, just eat when you're reading, just read. And he's like, yeah, but I'm just sitting here eating my toast, reading my paper, drinking my tea. You know, it's like the device of being focused on one thing. is just the device. If yeah. you're mindful, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, right? Cause you're still engaged in the moment. So. So you think still be cruel. To people but in a focused detached way it's like a psychopath <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, awesome playing with fire yeah after that also <clears throat> sorry to continue on my boring story have um, you been drinking i had half a beer todd tends to ramble when he's drinking yeah but then after that i went and met mahala and she was closing up her work and she fucked up the lock and she didn't know the pin to get back in and she was like losing her shit like stressing out and i just like calmly put my hand on her shoulder I was like it's okay babe because this, <laughs> this is me after one 10 minute meditation I'm a changed man yeah so you because you did Headspace eh yep. have you seen that app I, yeah I, I've downloaded it and I, I sort of I don't know I, I guess because I've done a bit of meditation I tend to just slip into my habits of meditation and, yeah. and do that instead seems cool though yeah I guess if you've already got to practice yeah, yeah that's right but for me, I've sort of tried a few different ones. Like I went and did Vipassana and 
did this other one and it didn't really stick but with this one I found it sort of it's so simple and yeah. the guy's voice is so soothing it's real soothing <laughs> yeah. it sounds like a guy you might know for the listeners um, if you want to download it you just go to Headspace it's an app the first 10 days are free should I get an example of his voice sure you can bring that up um, should we talk about autoimmune diseases yeah the we joys of having an autoimmune talk disease talk about everything yeah, awesome. Because, um, so yeah, like I said before, dear listeners, uh, I have autoimmune disease, but um, so does Cliff as well. They're in the same family, aren't they? But they're different. Yeah, they're sort of all... Because um, they all lump together, but is that just because they're all autoimmune diseases or are they somehow <coughs> related some other way? Pretty much, and a lot of the, um, you know, you're sort of diagnosed based on where it's presenting to some degree. And it's not yeah. that it's the same disease necessarily or the same disorder, but it's um, there are a lot of crossovers as well yeah so you know you have a, a disorder like lupus that's called the great pretender because it or the great mimic because it um could be a whole bunch of different autoimmune diseases but it's because it's got so many different symptoms but you know with any of the auto, autoimmune conditions it's typically isolated predominantly to one area but it's got a lot of crossover effects as well so with you know i've got crohn's disease and that's a autoimmune disorder of the the gut so it's basically when the body's attacking your own intestinal tissue and destroying it uh but there's a lot of other correlations like with yours you know i've got i get arthritis and you know a lot of joint pain and you know skin stuff going on and so it, it works for me to not all the time but I, I typically avoid gluten as well yeah um, because i find if i don't i just get i get eczema yeah you know may, that may or may not be to do with the crohn's but it probably is because that's what we see is that it's, it tends to occur in people with crohn's uh if they're eating gluten and so yeah, there's a lot of things going on that are just outside of the organ system that it's diagnosed in. But you have such an active life, right? Because what I didn't read on the bio as well is that you've done all this weightlifting and martial arts. <coughs> and you look super fit. Like, Thank how have you. you sort of got around that with the disease? Looking super fit. Yeah, it's just a cross that I bear, you know. <laughs> 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 That's well. Um, I've always been, you know, always been super active anyway. Uh, just because I, I enjoyed, you know, footy and boxing and martial arts and all that kind of stuff, you know, that was just what I was into. And then when I was diagnosed, I had to pretty much stop everything for probably a year or so. Just, you know, really sick. Yeah. In and out of hospital, I lost about 16 kilos and, Damn. you know, passing blood out the other end is not a nice thing to do yeah. constantly. And so you, you're pretty smashed anyway, just physically and mentally. Um, but coming back from that, I just, you know, I, I sort of got to that point where I figured physical strength for me was such a high correlate for mental and emotional strength. And so I felt like I, I wasn't prepared to go on being weak, you know, whereas yeah. I had been quite strong physically. Um, so I, I wanted to get back into the gym and, you know, start training and come come back and, basic, and end up competing in, in weightlifting and boxing and grappling and all that kind of stuff. So it was really a, a sort of interesting corollary that I, I have to feel physically strong and well to feel mentally strong and well. That's, that's kind of similar to what happened with you, with your diagnosis though, right? Like, so since your diagnosis, you're like pursuing the things that make you feel good and mm. like with less regard to, you know, doing bullshit that you don't want to do. Oh, totally. Yeah. Well, and, we, and we talked about that a little bit, right? Yeah. You know, this idea that am I going to further injure myself or, you know, run myself down by exercising? And my point of view, to some degree, I don't want to be cavalier, but it's kind of like you can either be weak and in pain or strong and in pain. I'd rather be strong and in pain. Yeah, I, try, I mean, I tried to go back to kickboxing. I did it like about five lessons and it was really good. And then as work, one day my ankles were just fucked. So it was out. So I think it's aqua jogging for me. Yeah. Cool. I've been putting it off for like a year, like the rheumatologist keeps telling me to do it, but I think I'm going to have to. Yeah, you find ways to work around this. You know, I've taken a nearly a couple of years off heavy lifting uh, just because my back's just screwed, you know, it's, it's yeah. really bad. And that's a, that's not from the Crohn's, it's partially to do with that and all the inflammation and stuff, but it's mainly from injuries from weightlifting. Uh, but I got to the point this year where I thought I, I just don't want to continue to get weaker anymore, so started getting back into weightlifting, but doing it in a different way, changing up the way that I lift the weights, you know, stance and all that kind of stuff, just to, to make it work for me, uh, to get back to that point where I can be truly strong again and I feel a heck of a lot better as a result. Yeah, well, I've just got to the point now where I'm like, 
wanting, you know, in the last six months, wanting to sort of get fit and stuff again. Whereas before, I was just like, you know, trying to contend with having the disease. Yeah, yeah. But it's in remission now, so. Yeah, and if you're in remission and you can do things that don't cause you to be too inflamed again, you move. Got to move. Yeah. It's important. Do you, is there research to say that autoimmune diseases are more prevalent now? Because it... Probably, um, but we always come up against a diagnostic bias in any of the research because a lot of disorders just weren't diagnosed back in the day because they don't understand enough about it. And, and, you know, different names for a group of things. You might have gone into the doctor and say, oh, you've got the, um, I don't know, you've got the Vietnamese bot or something, you know, some weird name. Um, whereas now we would categorize as something completely different yeah. because we've got different tests and all that kind of stuff. So probably, but we don't know 100%, I'd say. Because just since I've had it, I've <clears throat> found out that so many people either that are either already new or people that I've met have got autoimmune diseases. It seems quite crazy. Yeah. Maybe it's because you're part of the community now. I think it's definitely part of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, but It's like, you know, when you... Buy a car. Yeah, when, yeah, exactly what I was thinking. You get a car. If you've owned a car, then you always notice that car. And you go, fuck, car. everyone's got this fucking car. <laughs> and like, you may not have ever noticed that car before. Because you thought you were going to be special, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yes, I got this autoimmune disease. People yeah, well, I, I moved, love me. someone moved into our flat, just like a <clears> random stranger, and she's got the same thing, which is just crazy. And then I've got, yeah, I've got my four friends who get the exact same disorder. Isn't I, I think there's also a point to um, nowadays... People categorize it all as... Oh, there's Headspace. Sorry. So this is Dan. Using proven meditation and mindfulness techniques, we'll show you how to train your mind for a healthier, happier, more enjoyable life. Yeah. He just sounds like some guy you might run into in England and he'll be like, hey man, I want to help you out. See, I might be racist because a lot of the apps, the meditation apps seem to have an English guy narrating it and it kind of just annoys me a little bit. Do you reckon... I guess when you think of guru, you don't think of some British guy, eh? No. Some British guy down the down the pisser, <laughs> having, a, having a pint, just helping people with their with their uh, mindfulness. It's like a mate of mine went to India and went to this um, went to this retreat thing, and there was a you know guru there leading the meditation, and he comes out and he's wearing like orange sunglasses and you know, he's wearing his orange robe as well he's wearing these orange sunglasses and he sits down and he starts talking in a South African accent oh, and man. the guy's like it just blew everything for him he couldn't yeah. sit there and just meditate while this guy was talking to him South African accent is pretty useless for everything <laughs> I, I had um I had sorry to and to South the listeners African in South Africa listen, yeah. <laughs> does anyone listen in South Africa I haven't got any listeners here yeah so I stand by my original yeah, right. statement we uh I got lunch with a Tibetan Buddhist monk Yesterday, oh, you had yeah. lunch with a Tibetan Buddhist monk. Mm. Is this set up, set up for a joke or? No, no. <laughs> I woke up and I was still really high from the night before because I'd eaten this weed cake. And then um, my flatmate was like, "There's a Buddhist monk blessing our house because she's Buddhist." And I was like, "Cool." And I got up and met him, and he's like the nicest dude. And then we went and had lunch. And was he going around awesome. with like smoke or something? How was he blessing the house? He had pedals. He's throwing pedals around and ringing a bell. Yeah. Did you go out and stop making a fucking yeah. mess? Jesus Christ! Someone's gonna clean this up. <laughs> it's not gonna be me, but someone does. Now he was really nice. Yeah, cool. You need to be calm. It's not every day you have a monk come into your house. I know. I almost want to take a photo for Instagram, but then I thought that's a really stupid thing to do. To a monk. Just, yeah, you know, it's just ruining the moment. I'm trying to live in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, man. I took uh, Facebook off my phone. Yeah. Like, took the app off. Mm. Changed my life. Seriously, it sounds stupid, but fuck, I was just getting... It's like with the the Herald gets you fired up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go on Facebook and people start posting stuff, and I'm like, that's... Because I'm a geek, right? I'm like a like like to think of myself as like the nutritional scientist, and someone posts something, I'm that's factually incorrect, and I'm gonna tell you why <laughs> it's factually incorrect. Yeah, yeah. And like you get into these big debates. Team. Yeah, see, I guess you're a specialist, and I feel like that, and I don't specialize in fuck all, but I still feel the just same way. Rap. I want to tell everyone off on just Facebook. a rap and striking specialist. Yeah, I just want to <laughs> tell everyone like fucking pricks talking about chemtrails. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> Come on, I have breathe, to. Yeah. breathe. Uh, Think what Dan would say. It's been very, very, been very freeing though. Mm. You know, I used to wake up in the morning and look at Facebook, and now I wake up in the morning and think, what should I do? So I get on Duolingo and do some Spanish practice, and then you know, do some brain training stuff, and then okay, that's about five minutes. I need to get up and do something now. Duolingo is a good app. It is. It's real good, man. Yeah, I was trying to learn Portuguese, and I went for a little bit, and then I gave up because that's a hard language. I should start learning Spanish. I'm going to Dominican Republic. Soon. Learn Spanish, and then, and then pretend you're Mexican and get drunk, and you'll be speaking Portuguese. Really? Yeah. 
I will probably be. <laughs> you know, that might be really good if that in fact works because if I do visit Portugal again, I will be drunk the whole time. So, yeah. Yeah. What about alcohol in relation to health? Because we in a, live in a country that has a, uh, quite a bad drinking problem. This is a game where I get in a lot of trouble with some of my friends because uh, I think here's the thing. No one has yet shown me with any good degree of evidence that having, let's say, one drink a day is harmful for your health. In fact, it seems to be correlated. So we're not saying it's causal, but it's correlated with better outcomes for basically everything known to man. Cancer, heart disease, whatever. So I think that the reality is, and here's, here's where I stand with this and a lot of other stuff like veganism, vegetarianism, whatever. There's a lot more, I've got a lot more in common with someone who doesn't drink, I think, than with an alcoholic, you know, but because I have, I, I probably drink most days, but not a lot. I might have one or two beers three or four days a week, right, which I think is completely appropriate for health for me and it's just maintainable. I don't have any tendency towards alcoholism or whatever. So that's completely cool. I probably, like I say, have more in common with the person who doesn't drink than the person who is having seven beers every night. Although statistically, that person having seven beers a night, I hate to say this, but they're probably not going to be increasing their risk of heart disease either. They're just massively increasing their risk of cancer, right? Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think we've got to look a lot more pragmatically at the spectrum and understand that it's not the fact that people are, I'm going to sound like a drinking ad here, but <laughs> it's not the fact that people are drinking it, that there are people who are drinking moderately. It's that we've got a fucked up culture around drinking, you know, where we all grow up thinking we've got to go out and get completely fucked up. You know, yeah. and it's not even just that it's tacitly condoned. You know, you can have someone like, I'm not going to mention names, but you've got these politicians who will be standing up in the House saying, you know, there's no way we would ever support legalising cannabis. And then they go next door to the Parliament bar, get, look it up on whiskey and go outside for a cigar. But that's, you know, appropriate. Not yeah. only that, it's cool, right? Yeah. I was talking to a lady last night who um, doesn't drink. And she was talking about the way people react to that. And she said the reaction is almost always, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. As opposed to like, oh, why don't you drink? Or just being like, oh, okay, you don't drink. Like people's reaction is almost always, what? Yeah. What's wrong with you? But even you? since I've cut down, people are still just like, oh, go on, just have a drink, just have a drink. It's just yeah. like, come on, man, I'm just yeah. trying to yeah. fucking do something good here. You're talking about Lucky Lance. What's that? Oh, he, yeah, he's quite extreme but yeah. lots of most even people that you wouldn't expect mm. but i think that sort of that attitude polarizes people the other way as well so if you don't drink that becomes so defining for you that you see that demarcation as well between people who don't drink versus people who do whereas in reality it's a spectrum right i can go yeah. every year i take a couple of months off drinking and a bunch of other stuff as well uh just to base just to see if there's any patterns of behavior that are negative or whatever you know it's like a mindfulness exercise yeah um, and you know, we, but we polarize it so much as far as you drink versus you don't. In reality, there, there need not be those big separations. I think. You know, same thing with, like I say, eating meat. If someone eats meat once a week or once a month, they're more akin to a vegan than someone who eats a two hundred gram steak three times a day. But they're still going to be defined by the fact that they eat meat versus not. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like, having, like, defined uh, labels for diet and stuff, I just think if everyone ate more consciously, then the planet would be in a lot better shape and probably people's health as well. Like, you don't have to have a strict uh, label on what your diet is. Yeah, you can, absolutely. You can just eat consciously. But so much of it's education. I mean, even with the drinking thing, I had no idea how bad drinking was for you until relatively recently. Because mm. he was like, cigarettes are the worst, cigarettes are the worst, and then you find out drinking's pretty much as bad, you know? Yeah. And I'm not suggesting for a second that drinking's not negative. I mean, socially it's negative, health-wise it's negative, but only past the point. You know, and it's basically between zero and one drinks a day, so somewhere between that. So if you're drinking less than one drink a day, you're probably fine, but who's going to do that, right? And there's confounders as well, because people will say, well, someone who can limit themselves to one drink a day is probably pretty in control of other shit in their life as well. So yeah. that could be a big confounder, mm. right? But Yeah, it's hard to just have one beer. One thing that's cool, that's One or two's all right, but then if I have three, then I'm probably going to have is that 12. your tipping point? Yeah. The mindfulness has been shown in the research to have a pretty big effect on how people drink and how they eat as well. 
So they've done some studies, for example, on diet where people who had been, people were given either mindfulness intervention, so this is a mindfulness program you're going to be going through for this period of time, versus dietary intervention, so this is what you've got to eat for this period of time. And the people who were given the mindfulness intervention ate better than the people who were given the dietary advice. Because wow. they, they were just more aware of what they're eating and when they were full and making better choices and stuff. And I think we do the same thing when we're drinking too. Yeah. Like nowadays I get to the point where if the beer doesn't taste so good anymore, I stop drinking. Because, you know, when you're younger, you push through. Mm. Like, yeah. But because I, I like the taste of beer, get home, have a beer, tastes great. The next one, uh, if it doesn't taste so good, I know that's probably it for the, the day. Mm. I'm thinking. I sound really clever, eh? Yeah. No, <laughs> taking it all in. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, with my limited meditating experience, I'm beginning to think that it may assist me in quitting smoking. I think it might be helpful. No doubt. I, I worked with a guy in um, sort of the mind body side of what I do in clinical practice, and he wanted to. He wanted to stop smoking. And so I asked him, like I ask a lot of people who come to me for that kind of stuff, well, how do you think? your smoking serves you, right? And there could be lots of different reasons, but the, what he said was super interesting. He said, oh, well, um, it gives me time and space to breathe. And I thought that was super interesting because it's a physical device of breath mm. that he was using to give himself that time and space that he needed for himself. Yeah. So we worked through a bit of a process and I taught him some basic concepts of meditation and where he'd usually go outside for a cigarette, he'd go to the little park next door, next to his office and just do a like five minute breathing meditation instead. Mm. And he didn't stop smoking, but he he's cut down a massive amount, you yeah. know, from sort of a pack a day down to, I think, a pack a week, and then it just became sporadically, you know, he'd have a few ciggies if he was going out with his mates, and that was about it. That's pretty good. And the reality is, like, people would say, oh, well, he, he hasn't stopped smoking, so it's the process isn't done yet. But I would yeah. sort of say, well, in reality, the health effect of him having two ciggies every now and then when he's out with his mates is probably nothing yeah. in reality, you know. Yeah, because I think that's a... Um, it's real terrifying for a smoker to try and quit because it's like uh, such a huge part of your life. Like, like, so one thing that's real terrifying, say you work a shitty job or just any job, I guess, but like that time when you go out and have a cigarette, you like go and have a moment and that's a big thing to get rid of. In the social aspect of it, all those things... Yeah. And I think people are real terrified. And like heaps of smokers that I've talked to would love to be able to have control yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, I'll have like a smoke when I am in this situation, but would like to not smoke, you know, a pack a day, obviously, but just a cigarette here and there. Yeah. But fuck it. So the addiction is crazy. Like as soon as you have one, the nicotine subsides and then you want another one and... It's super nuanced too, right? I mean, you know, you, you often have people of a particular particular political leaning saying, oh, well, you know, people who are poorer shouldn't smoke and they shouldn't drink and they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do that because mm. it's just a waste of money. But the reality is that's probably pretty much all you got. Yeah, yeah. they tried it's being the, poor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's well, say get better budgeting advice, but the reality is most of the wealthy people I know don't budget that well because they don't need to mm, it's yeah. just it's not a matter of well we budgeted well and we became successful it's more so well, we're successful and so we can spend well you know? yeah it's it's funny when you get start becoming somewhat of an adult and you discover like other things that you can spend money on like socially like you know going for a <laughs> Rather than like spending all your money on booze, you know, like you can, when you start going out to dinner with friends oh, yeah, and yeah, shit yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and, you know, other activities other than drinking, because I don't know about you guys, but I just like all my socializing was drinking from my teens and like early 20s. But even people, oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, even and the cutting down drinking, it's like this socially it's i've been fucking quite bored a lot of time because people yeah. are just like well you want to come to this gig and it's like well if i come to the gig everyone's gonna get drunk and by 12 o'clock everyone's just gonna be mumbling mess you know what mm. i mean or yeah you know like everything that everyone does like is based around drinking i yeah. kind of dig that now though i've become quite hermetic in the last couple of years eh? i sit at home and write and go for a swim and walk along the beach and, you know, just do real boring old mansion. Like, I should be getting into cardigans and shit now. <laughs> I, I dig it, you know. Yeah, you I was just thinking it. You'd a cardigan. Kill it in a cardigan. Yeah, I don't yeah. mind it, but I, I guess it's mainly because my, my girlfriend's away. So then being at home by yourself, just crying and masturbating and yeah. waiting for her to come on Skype. 
Yeah, I feel like. And you... plus, no one invites me out to gigs anyway. I think um, Richie tried once. He said, "Oh, Cliff, there's this gig on tomorrow. Oh no, you like shit music." And he just like, turned and walked away. <laughs> did, did he say? <laughs> did he say that to you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Come Richie. on, Richie. We tease him about his music interests on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave that him damn him. good teasing. Yeah, good old fashioned <laughs> teasing for Richard. Mm. How are we doing time-wise, Danny? Hour. Another hour? Hour. Wow, I just fucking flew by. Is there anything we haven't touched on? Heaps of things. Lots of things, but well, we've, just we've touched on a lot Pony as well. Tales. Pony tales. We did touch I mean, on I'm not, I'm not oh, here yeah, to yeah. push any particular agenda. I'm just here to talk about, you know, life, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, um, um, that was super enlightening, and I feel like a little inspired to address some issues in my life. Yeah, well, especially now you're getting into meditating. <laughs> yeah, man. You're just a little bit guilty after last night, I think. Yeah, I feel like... Oh. <laughs> I'm yeah, stoked that I didn't drink too much last night. Now I like come bounding in and you know, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty pretty happy, pretty Peace onto out. it. Yeah. Just had a coffee, you know. Make Todd feel guilty. Yeah, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I was pretty scared this morning, feeling a little trepidatious, like feeling awful. And then like, oh, great. Today's the day we're doing a nutritionist <laughs> on the podcast. That's part of the human experience that we've all built up, though. Eh? So I don't think this is a natural thing, but I think all everyone... Most people in in the Western world have got to that point at some stage where they just their one priority is keeping their shit together. Mm. You know, you've like you've smoked too much hash, or you've taken too much of this, or you've drunk too much, or whatever, and your whole like being is centered around just keeping your shit together for X amount of time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and I think the thing is like um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Good stuff. No, what was I? I had something to say. What were we talking about? Drinking. Oh, yeah, when I went to... I remember going to the doctor one time and him being like, you know, talking about my drinking. And he's like, yeah, I think you got a drinking problem. I was like, I don't have a fucking drinking problem. Like, I drink heaps least than most of my mates. He's like, how much do you drink? And I was like, probably drink like 12 beers, like three times a week. And he's like, that's really serious drinking problem. And I was like, I had no fucking idea. Because, like, yeah. my, here's my friends would drink, you know, at that point, were like, you know... Yeah. Drinking a lot What's more that than Michigan that? alcohol screening test or whatever, which is one of the indicators they use for alcoholism. I think if most young Kiwi males took that test, they would be indicated alcoholic. Mm. Yeah. No doubt. For sure. You know, we, I mean, you guys would have been the same, right? We used to drink, there was a point where we used to drink basically every night of the week mm. and not small amounts, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we used to do. Remember, we'd get like ten, $10 box of like flames. <laughs> oh, that's like, the worst. I think, oh, I think, I think that they, hangover was fucking next level. Yeah, man. I think you could get 15 packs for $10 sometimes. Have you in the last couple of years tried a flame? I, I remember nah, someone found one. Don't touch it. I felt I, physically I, think, sick I don't, just I don't know if they're the making box. it now, but I think they still were no, up still, until a couple of years going. ago. Yeah. I tried one. Man, that stuff is fucking terrible. It's yeah. just bad. Yeah, horrible. Like Ducks piss. But it's like a. So fucking teenage and poor people's thing. Like the kids we work with, I talk to them about what people drink in their neighborhood. They're like flames, Cody's. Mm. Like yuck. Yeah, yeah. Flames and Cody's. He's like, come on, guys. <laughs> come on. But it's, it have sucks. A, have a nice, you, what about but, a nice Moscato? But when you have a nice, <laughs> <laughs> but when you have a nice beer and then your palate changes and you're fucked because then you can't get the cheap beers anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? But no, I still enjoy cheap beer. So I just go for whatever doesn't hurt my guts, eh? Really? Pretty much, yeah. What have you? Do you have a particular? I do, Spanish beer is gluten free, eh? Um, San Miguel, whatever. Yeah, there is the red one. Yeah, with the star on it. I usually have. Um, this is gonna sound really bad, but Stella Leger. It seems to be the cleanest. Doesn't hurt mm. my guts. Right. And Asahi's alright. Yeah. Yeah, I like Sapporo. Just golden lagers, eh? They're really the only things. I find that for a lot of people who've got issues with their guts, it's just the, the cleaner, the better, so the golden lagers. None of the... Can't have all the hipster beers. That's what Dom likes. Oh, I love All the hipster beers, yeah. 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 I would have thought you would have been into them. <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah, the, the beard sort of suggests that, but... <laughs> I do like... Actually... Is that what you're basing the yeah. presumption on? Maybe, maybe if I mention it, they'll um, send me up some product or something. Garage Project do some really dope beers. Oh, yeah. Real, real interesting shit. Yeah, yeah. Have Lush. you tried this stuff? No, what's it? What Garage Project out of Wellington. They do some really, really cool stuff. Oh, do they do the, like the white, white can? The white yeah, can so that's, with beer that, that's their standard lager. Yeah. But they do a whole bunch of um, 
that, just craft beers that are really interesting, dark beers with chili and all that kind of stuff, and right. uh, really, really, really we cool. Um, We're looking for sponsors. Really cool bottles too. Yeah, that can is sexy, man. Something about that can. Well, that's... Check out the the bottles of the specialty stuff. Right. They've got really awesome artwork. I think after this conversation, they owe us some beer. <coughs> yeah, hard out. Yeah, definitely. Do they the know the how amount many? of all basically my summer involved taking pictures of my dog and Garage Project beer, and that was basically it, and putting it on Instagram. So. I reckon they, they need to hit us up. What a summer. Yeah. And so for p- listeners that want to like check out what you do, um, where's the best place to find your stuff? Uh, either cliffharvey.com, which explains a bit about me and what I do, and my uh, business is HPN, so Holistic Performance Nutrition, hpn.ac.nz. That's an education business that teaches people more about nutrition. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And yeah. of course my good green stuff. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. yours? That's mine. You well, I was one of the one of the co-founders of the company, so I, I create the oh, products. Oh yeah. Richie's a big proponent of the good green stuff. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love it as well. Yeah, I haven't. Tried I was a little it. bit starstruck when you told me that you did that when the first time. <laughs> yeah, Greg. <laughs> Greg had that in the house, and I was always like, "Fuck, I want to try that stuff," but I know it's, it's, it's so good, man. You yeah. just get that when you get that rush from it. You know, like, oh, your body's like, yes, yeah. yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I, I'm a little. Yeah, I'm not being disingenuous at all. I actually, I, yeah, I've, I've taken, you, it, I've you, taken it for a long time. Yet? Nah, but like I, I knew that Richie did, and my flatmate Greg, who I think was getting nutritional advice off Richie, had it in the house, and I was like, but you know, like you know how those, to get some and get get Dan off the get, life. get Dan off the line. Good green stuff. You just it's just like a powder. Oh, you should explain. Yes, yeah, it's a, it's a green. It's a greens powder you mix up in water, but it basically it's like a multivitamin, multimineral plus vegetables, berries, herbs, and all that kind of stuff. So basically, it's just it's designed to be a once daily nutritional support thing that you can take. So you just basically take it once daily every day, and it's like taking a multivitamin, but heaps better. What do you get? Uh, Hardee's Health Two Thousand, basically any of the major health stores. We're in five hundred outlets through the country, I think now. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel like, like you know, like when you have a, it was like a coffee rush, but then you don't feel like shit afterwards. I need one now, eh? It's a Kiwi success story. Is it? Is. Yeah, man. That's what so we're you're a successful Kiwi. That's what we're about. Kiwi. Yeah, yeah Kiwi success stories. Yeah. And I'm still not voting national. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> Three losers interview Kiwi success stories. Yeah. That could be the tagline. All right. All right. And on that note, we're out. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Nice. Awesome. <laughs>